you ever needed to get something off your chest? I mean, you know, it's just something that's bothered you, and, and you finally get to make it known. Sometimes you just feel like you're going to burst, but sometimes in counseling, sometimes people have come to see me, and, and it, there's not really anything we can do. They just wanted to say certain things. They just wanted to talk about something. They just wanted to be able to say it. It's important that we have somebody that we can talk to. I think it's really true in our lives. There needs to be people that you can talk to, that we can express our feelings. The truth is we ought to be able to talk, really, number one, we can talk to God. You know, Philippians 4, 6, and 7, be anxious for nothing but everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. So you can come to him anytime. Hebrews 4, 12 talks about that we can come and, uh, you know, to him, that uh, uh, the, the grace of God and the, the throne of grace and all of those things. So we can talk to God anytime. It's also good if you had a friend, somebody you can go to, like Matthew 18 has an idea of talking to somebody, going to them when something may be wrong. Galatians 6 talks about the, the mature people that you can go to and talk with. The truth is we always need to keep the lines of communication open. Uh, tonight we see that Jacob and Laban, they square off. And basically Jacob talks about the last 20 years of his life of how he felt, frust- felt frustration and how he felt that, J- that Laban had done him wrong. He gets all this off his chest, and I think it's important that we're able to talk with each other, not necessarily blow up like we see here. These guys are not doing a very good thing. They're, they're, uh, they've not done right. Let me give you the outline sort of of this passage. We'll start back. At, well, verse 25 is where we've got it started. Laban's accusations. He's taken away the family, stealing his God, so he comes after him, catch him. And, and Jacob then makes accusations about how Laban had mistreated him. And then at the very end, they make a covenant. They call it the heap of witness because they pile these rocks up basically in this thing. And they say, see that? When everybody sees that, they'll know somebody made a deal there. And basically for each other, they say, see that right there? Every time you see that, you're not really supposed to cross that. We're going to see how it comes about as we get toward the end of the passage. I think when you look at this passage, three things. Laban accuses Jacob. Jacob accuses Laban. And we see God's protection. Now, one thing I want to just say that that Jacob is a scoundrel. When you look in the Bible and you say Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Joseph, and you, the, the God is called the God of Jacob. Now, Jacob's other name is Israel. So God is called the God of Jacob or the God of Israel more than any other person in the Bible. The person that God says, I'm the God of Jacob, I'm the God of Israel, he's a scoundrel. From the day he was born, they called him deceiver, Jacob. He deceived his dad. He deceived his brother. He's deceived Laban. Uh, And it it is not until we're going to see chapter 32. We're getting very close to it. In chapter 32, Jacob becomes a changed man. He's not a changed man now. Still a deceiver. Still a trickster. Still wants to do. He's still looking out for himself. And we're going to see what happens in chapter 32. But uh, when you think about it, even though that Jacob is this kind of man, God had made a promise. A promise to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to Judah, and on down. And the Abrahamic promise was God would give a land seed and blessing to Abraham and his descendants. And his descendant is Jacob. Jacob gets the promises not because he deserves them. The truth is Abraham didn't deserve them. Isaac doesn't deserve them. Jacob doesn't deserve them. Joseph doesn't deserve them. Judah doesn't deserve them. David doesn't deserve them. In fact, any of the promises of God at all, not single person who's ever lived deserves anything. Because all we like sheep have gone on the streets, went our own way. There's none righteous, no, not one. There's not one that seeks after God. We've done our own thing. But God in his grace and mercy saves us 
gives us promises, blesses us. So as we think about Jacob, you know, there's, it's a hard time. And I'll try to remind you of some of the things that have happened. Let, let's get a review. Jacob has been with Laban for 20 years. And you remember, he left 20 years ago because he had tricked his brother out of his birthright. And he tricked his brother out of his blessing. And uh, that's uh, 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 Esau wants to kill him. And so they sent him away. His mom sent him away and said, will you just go stay with my brother for just a short period of time? And then you'll come back. Well, it ends up being 20 years. And while he's been gone, he has found not one wife, but two wives and two handmaids. And they've had a number of children through these women, which ultimately is going to be the nation of Israel. He works 14 years for the wives. He's worked six years for his sheep and his cattle and all of those things. And uh, Jacob's had to deal with Laban throughout this whole thing. But God has blessed Jacob. Jacob gets richer and richer and richer and richer as we go through, and we'll see it. Jacob realizes it's now time to leave. God has appeared to him and told him to go back. He takes off secretly because he is afraid of Laban. He says, afraid that if he told Laban he was leaving, Laban would say, you can leave, but none of this other stuff is going. Laban finds out three days later that he's gone, and so he chases after him, and he catches him. And there's some issues that we need to know to make sure we understand what's happening. Number one is that Rachel stole the gods of her father. Jacob didn't know that. Now, what are these gods? Obviously, they're small because they fit in a saddle and she sits on them. They, when we do research on it, a lot of people in that day and time, uh, and, and we're not even sure whether Laban is a believer. You don't know much about him. You don't know much about his background. Abraham came out from there. Most of those people in that area of the world had worshipped moon gods and goddesses. And so these little gods were, were called household gods. And sometimes people had these, and they thought they would be protection, that they kept them in their house to protect them from enemies or all kind of things. Well, Rachel, they may be worth a lot of money. We don't know. We don't, we don't even know what they're made out of. But anyway, while... And they got ready to leave. She snuck into her father's house and stole these gods and took them with them. Jacob doesn't know she got them. And so when Laban comes and says, you stole my gods, Jacob says, I didn't steal your gods. The second thing is that God appears to Laban so he cannot harm Jacob. Now, that's a very powerful thing. And we'll see how that goes. And then the third thing is there's distrust between both these men. And we've seen it over and over again. Well, let's begin. Laban catches up with Jacob. And uh, Laban accuses Jacob. Then Jacob accuses Laban. Let's look first at, at verse 25. And remember, Laban has finally caught him. Laban caught up with Jacob. Now, Jacob had pitched his tent in the hill country, and Laban with his kinsmen camped in the hill country of Gilead. Now, that's real, they're real close together. They're almost side by side. He finally caught him. And we're going to see that he's going to make uh, several accusations. One is you, you took my children and you took my gods. Notice verse 27, uh, verse 26. Then Laban said to Jacob, What have you done by deceiving me and carrying away my daughters like captives of the sword? The first accusation is you've carried away my daughters. Now, let me tell you this. It's true. It is a strange thing. You think about it. They've been together for 20 years, and suddenly Laban comes in, and they say, Jacob is gone. Your daughters are gone. All the stuff is gone. They're gone. They just decided to leave. You would be a little upset, you know, regardless, regardless whether you liked him or not. 20 years have passed. You all been together for 20 years, and suddenly you come in one day from shearing sheep, and he's gone, and he's taken everything. So he's upset. He's really mad about it. And so he says to him, what have you done by deceiving me and carrying away my daughters like captives of the sword? He said, you just took them off like you came in and captured them away. He's trying to make Jacob look like an enemy. And he said, why didn't you tell me? In fact, he says, why, why did you flee secretly and deceive me? Look at verse 27. Uh, and, and they did not tell me that I might have sent you away with joy and with songs, with timbrel and with lyre. 
He basically says, we'd have had a party. If you said you were going to leave, we could have had a party. We'd have said, okay, we're going to give you a big going away party, and we'll all eat food and dance and sing and all of these things. So he's trying to make it look good. Like if you if you would have just said we'd like to leave, we'd have had a big party. Now let me tell you, Jacob doesn't think they'd have had a party if we were going to leave. He thinks Laban would have said, yeah, you can have a party. You can leave. We're going to stay here. And so that's what is going on. Neither men trust one another. He says, you did not allow me, verse 28, to kiss my sons and my daughters. Now you have done foolishly. After 20 years together, he says, you just leave, and you didn't even say goodbye. This is wrong. Now, here's what's so amazing. We already saw it earlier, but notice verse 29. It is in my power to do you harm, but the God of your father spoke to me last night, saying, be careful not to speak either good or bad to Jacob. Now, we already saw it earlier in the passage. That was what we saw before Christmas, but God came to Laban. At night and said, you can't harm Jacob in any way, shape, or form. You can't. He's, when he says you can't speak good or bad, that means you can't do anything to him. So Laban realizes that God is protecting Jacob. Now, he's known that all the way from the beginning because he's watched God bless and take care of Jacob for 20 years. That's been going on for 20 years. And so he actually says, uh, he says to himself, well, I, I can't harm Jacob because God won't really let me. Now, I want to bring this out because we talked about it last time. Look at verse 29. Look what he says. Look how he says this. It is in my power to do harm, but the God of your father. Notice he doesn't say the God of my father. It gives me an indication that possibly Laban may not be a believer in the God, what we call the God of Israel, like Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. He may not be. You know, you'd think that because they're family, you think that because he's lived there for 20 years with them. But the way he says this, it almost gives that indication. And so he says, he told me to be careful not to speak either good or bad. Uh, I can't harm you. Jacob is being protected by God, not because he deserves it, but because God is protecting him because he promised he would. God has promised us eternal life, not because we deserve it. God has promised that I'll never leave you or forsake you. God has said I will provide for you and protect you, not because we deserve it, but because of his promises. Now watch what happens. Look at verse 30. Now, you have indeed gone away because you longed greatly for your father's house. And then he makes the second accusation. But why did you steal my gods? That's the second one. Why did you take my gods? That gives us another indication that, that Laban may not have been a believer in the God of Israel because he's still taking, wanting these little gods, and they're very important to him. Now, they may be important to him because they may have been made out of gold. Who knows tell them what they're made out of? They may be very expensive. That brings us back to the real question. Why in the world would Rachel steal these gods? Why would she get them? Well, uh, you know, some have said maybe she's not a believer, or maybe she just wants to take something from her father because he's mistreated her all these years. And so we just don't know what is going on. But the accusation is, why did you steal my gods? And let me say this. How, how good is a god that you can steal? Have you thought about that? How good is a god that you can just pick up and carry away with you? I've always thought it was hilarious when the Philistines were fighting the, the Jewish people at the time of David, and they had a god called Dagon, which is half fish, half man. And he was a big statue, and he the, the bottom part was a fish body, and then the top part and the arms were a man and a head of a man. And if you remember that when the the Philistines actually got the Ark of the Covenant, they, they got it in battle and stole it, and they took it back. And when they put the Ark of the Covenant close to Dagon, Dagon kept falling over. 
And they had to come in every morning and pick up their God. And then one time he fell over and his head broke off and his arms broke off. And, you know, you want to say, that's a pretty tough God. You have to keep propping him up, you know. And so these little gods, how important are they if, if, if you can steal them and put them in a bag, right? I mean, you know, think about it. So he raises the, the two accusations. He says, you, you took my daughters without even tell, letting me tell them goodbye. And then you stole my gods. That's what he says. Now, here's then Laban, then Jacob's going to talk to Laban. This is Jacob getting to, to say this. And, and listen, Jacob tells why he left without saying goodbye, and he denies stealing the gods. So look what happens. He says, then Jacob said to Laban, because I was afraid. This is why he left and not told him and took the daughters. Because I was afraid, for I thought that you would take your daughters from me by force. He doesn't trust him. They've been together for 20 years. He doesn't trust him. Uh, he is, he's worked for him. He's done everything that he asked him to do. And uh, neither one of these men trust each other. Now, we saw Laban a long time ago. We met Laban when, when, uh, uh, when, her, when uh, uh, Abraham's servant came to get the bride, you know, uh, for Rebekah. And Laban, when he, he saw money and he saw stuff, and you talk, we saw him way back then that he's the guy that likes things. He likes possessions. And uh, so we'll see how this ties together. Look what happens. The one, and this is the second point. He says, look, I didn't steal this. And he says, I didn't get your gods. I think, first of all, I was afraid you'd take my gods. Second, I didn't get your gods. Notice the next verse. The one with whom you find your gods shall not live. In the presence of our kinsmen, point out what is yours among my belongings and take it for yourself. For Jacob did not know that Rachel had stolen them. He says, oh, wait a minute, wait, you think I got your gods? Okay, then whoever, as you look around, whatever, you go through everybody's stuff, if you find your gods, whoever's got them will die right then. And if anything you find that belongs to you that's in my possessions, you can take it right now. That's what I'll let you do. Now, he didn't know that Rachel had stolen the gods. So what is he really saying? You can kill, you can kill my wife when, when you find it because, uh, you know, and she's going... I don't think this is going to work out like I thought. I thought I was going to get away with this. Boy, this is pretty hard. So he didn't know. Now realize if she'd be killed. So he says this. You left no goodbye. That's what Laban says. He said, well, I was afraid. That's why I left with no goodbye. You stole my gods, Laban says. He said, no, I didn't. Look and see. I didn't get them. That's why we really need to communicate with each other. (laughs) You know, you could almost see Rachel saying, hey, uh, Jacob, I need to talk to you for just a few minutes. You come over here before you say any more. I need to talk to you. But she doesn't. So watch what happens. Verse 33. So Laban went into Jacob's tent, into Leah's tent, and into the tent of the two maids, but he did not find them. Then he went out of Leah's tent and entered Rachel's tent. Well, he went into the tents right there. He went into Jacob's. He went to, what, you know, have you thought, why do you think you waited to Rachel to the last? Right. And, and, well, I think so. What do you think? Yeah. Uh, do you think he? Do you think she was his favorite daughter? No, he didn't want to give her away. He would if he if you said to him, which one of these people stole your gods? Do you think he would think it was Rachel? So he goes last there. Where does he go first? He went into whose tent first? No, oh no, no. What does it say? He went into Jacob's tent first because what? He didn't like Jacob. Then he went into Leah's tent. Then he went into the tent of the two maids, and he didn't find them. 
Then he went out of Leah's tent and entered Rachel's tent. Now Rachel had taken the household gods, put them in the camel saddle, and she sat on them. Now you can just imagine in that tent. She got this little saddle, she put the things up there, and then she sat it down on top of it. Laban felt through all the tent, but he did not find them. He's going through and he's talking, basically, and so he's looking everywhere. And look what she says to him. She said to her father, let not my Lord be angry. Look, notice what she calls it, my Lord, and that's, that was common. Let not my Lord be angry that I cannot arise before you. Why? For the manner of women is upon me. So he searched but did not find the household gods. What did she say? I'm having my what? Fear. She said, I'm, on my, I'm having my fear. I, I don't feel good enough to stand up, but that's okay. And he says, of course, sweetie. And he checks everything. And so he says, I don't know what happened to my, I don't know what happened to my God. Somebody's hiding them. He doesn't even say, get up. Let me see. See, she was his favorite. She is also Jacob's favorite. That's where the power struggle has come in as well. Verse 34 again, Now Rachel had taken the household idols and put them in the camel's saddle, and she sat on them, and Laban fell through all the tent but didn't find them. She said to her father, Let not my Lord be angry. I cannot rise before you, for the manner of women is upon me. So he searched out but did not find the household idols. Now it's time for Jacob. Laban has got there. He said, You took off. You took my daughters. You took my gods. You did all this stuff. I'm really angry about it. Jacob said, Check it out. I didn't do any of this. And, uh, you know, here's why I left early. But you can go through every tent. You won't find anything. Well, he goes through every tent, and he doesn't find anything. And now you're going to see his anger. This is Jacob's anger pent up for years is going to come out. For 20 years, he's felt frustrated. Think about this. What happened at the very beginning when he got there, and here he is working for his uncle, and his uncle said, wait a minute, you're family, but you just don't work for nothing. What do you want that you can work for? And he says, I'd like to marry Rachel. And so he says, work seven years, and it seemed just like a few days, and the seven years is up. Does he get Rachel? No, he tricks him and gives him Leah. You think Jacob likes Laban? He does not like him. He has to work another seven years to get the one he wants. And then when the 14 years is up and he wants to leave, he tr basically he says, no, no, why don't you take care of this and this and I'll give you this. And he does another six years. He's been there 20 years. And 20 years of anger and frustration comes out. Look at verse 36. Jacob became angry and contended with Laban. And Jacob said to Laban, what is my transgression? What is my sin? You have hotly pursued me. He's basically saying, you didn't find anything, did you? What did I do wrong? I did nothing wrong. Though you have felt through all my goods, what have you found of all your household goods? The answer is nothing. Set it here before my kinsmen and your kinsmen that they may decide between us two. He said, look, what did you find? Bring it out. Look it up. Let's everybody look at it. What did you find that belongs to you in my stuff? Oh, he is angry. Watch what he says. These 20 years I have been with you. Your ewes and your female goats have not miscarried, nor have I eaten the rams of your flock. You know what he says? I took care of all your stuff and everything went great. And, and, and Laban knows it. Laban even told Jacob, apparently God continues to bless you. That's why I wanted you to stay here. Laban wanted Jacob to stay there because everything Jacob did turned good because God was blessing him. And so he says, he says, for 20 years, your, your ewes and your female goats have not miscarried. I haven't eaten the rams of your flock. That which was torn of beast, I didn't bring to you. I bore the loss myself. If one of your animals got eaten up, I didn't say one of your animals got eaten up. I took one of mine and put it back with yours. I replaced it. I bore the loss myself. 
you required of my hand, whether it's stolen by day or stolen by night. If somebody came and stole one, you said to me, somebody stole my stuff, give, it, give me yours. Would you like Laban? No. Would you like Jacob? I don't think so. I don't think we'd like either one of them, right? Why wouldn't we like them? Because you can't what? Can't trust them. I mean, when there are people that you can't trust, you just say, you know, you, you just stay over there, okay? Stay over there and you do your own life, but I can't trust you. Thus I was, verse 40, by day the heat consumed me and the frost by night and sleep bread uh, fled from my eyes. He said, you know, that was a hard time working for you because it was cold at night and hot during the day and I didn't sleep very much and it was not easy taking care of all your stuff. Powerful. Twenty years have passed. These twenty years I have been in your house. I served you fourteen years for your two daughters and six years for your flock, and you changed my wages ten times. Now, when I've told you this before, when he says I've changed your wages ten times, that doesn't really mean that he wrote down that was time number one and that was time number two and time number three. It'd be like us saying that happened dozens, dozens of times. This is just a Hebrew way of saying over and over you kept changing the deal. You kept changing the deal. And then he makes a great statement, which is accurate. If the God of my father, the God of Abraham, and the fear of Isaac had not been for me, surely now you would have sent me away empty-handed. God has seen my affliction and the toil of my hands, so he rendered judgment, notice when, last night. What did he do last night? Do you remember what he did? God went to Laban last night and said, you cannot harm Jacob in any way, shape, or form. So that's what Jacob says to him. God's taken care of me. He's protected me. If God had not taken care of me, he, because he has promised to provide, you would have sent me away empty-handed. S. Lewis Johnson said this. He said the hand of God was decisive. On the human side, Laban had everything and was in control. But on the divine side, God took care of Jacob and protected him. Who was in control for the 20 years, basically? God was. Who looked like they were in control for 20 years? Laban. But you know what? No matter what Laban did... Jacob got blessed. It just didn't matter. God saw my affliction, how Laban had cheated him in the judgment. What is Laban's response? Now, you'd think Laban might say, well, you know, it's tough being out here. And I needed you to do this stuff. And I didn't want you to leave. And, and, and God was blessing you. And so you've got to understand from my side, I needed you. But Laban is not going to admit any wrong whatsoever. Notice verse 43. And this is, if we can put the slide up there. He refuses to admit he did anything wrong. 43. Laban replied to Jacob. These daughters are my daughters and these children are my children and the flocks are my flocks and all that you see is mine. But what can I do this day to these my daughters or to their children whom they have borne? What does he say? This is all mine. Look at his statement. They're my daughters, my children, my flocks. Let me ask you something. Are they his daughters? But who do they belong to? Jacob. Because what, what did Jacob do? He worked 14 years for them. That was the deal, right? Whose children are these? They're Jacob's. Whose flocks are those? 
Jacob's because he worked for him. Remember, they made the deal. You could get the striped and the spotted ones. I get all the rest. The real rare ones go to Jacob. So that means there won't be very many of them. And all the regular ones go to Laban. But what happened? God just made all of them be spotted and striped. So what is Jacob really saying? I mean, Laban's saying, Laban's saying, this is my family. These are my children. These are my daughters. These are my flocks. But the answer is no, they're not. So he realizes that uh, it's not going to ever work out for him. <laughs> you can't curse somebody that God blesses. What did God say to Abraham? I will bless those that bless you, and I will curse those that curse you. And that was from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob to Judah to David all the way through. And it does not matter if Laban wanted to curse Jacob, he cannot do it. Because I'll curse those that curse you, I'll bless those that bless you. The smartest thing that Laban could have ever done is bless Jacob. They're going to make an agreement. There's going to be an agreement and a covenant, an agreement between these two. Now, it's not, it's not a good covenant. It's not, I love you and you love me. It's, I don't trust you and you don't trust me and we're going to put a thing right here and every time we see it, we're going to remember that I don't trust you and you don't trust me and that's the way it's going to be and you're not going to come across this side and I'm not going to come across that side. That's what it's all about. Notice verse 44. So come now, let us make a covenant, you and I, and let it, let it be witness between you and me. They're going to make it a covenant, an agreement. So watch what happens. Jacob took a stone and set up a pillar. Jacob said to his kinsmen, gather stones. So they took stones and made a heap, and they ate there by the heap. Now, the eating there is sort of this, it, it's like, here's what we're going to do. We're going to eat. We're going to have a fellowship. We're going to sow that we're setting this thing up. So they put the rocks and a pillar, and they set it all up, and there's the heap. Jacob's people went out and did that. Laban then said, this heap is a witness between you and me this day. It's named Galid. And they put the stones together. And let me just show you this, that uh, Laban's going to call it a different name. It's a long name, and it's Aramaic, which means the heap of witness. Jacob calls it Galid, which is Hebrew for heap of witness. So Laban said, this heap is a witness today between uh, between uh, you and me this day. Therefore, it is named Galid and Mizpah. Uh, uh, if you go back to verse seven, 47, Laban called it this long name, Jergar Saharathuath, and Jacob called it Galid. Basically, they, ca they called it one name or another. And that gives you another idea that J Laban is using Aramaic and, and Jacob is uh, using Hebrew. And, and so notice what happens. This heap is a witness. So it's named Galid. It's also named Mizpah, verse 49. They got another name there, which is Mizpah, which means uh, a, 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 a place of a watchtower place to keep a watch out he's basically saying this heap right here heap of witness is a watchtower it's a watch that it's going to watch both sides it's going to keep us apart it's pretty powerful so verse 50 here's what he says if you mistreat my daughters or if you take wives besides my daughters although no man is with us see god is witness between you and me he says two things he says don't mistreat my daughters and don't marry any other wives. That's his plan. He says, you, you're going to be away from me, but you'll never mistreat my daughters and you'll never take other wives because God's going to see it and he's not going to let you do this. I don't trust you. God is watching. He says this, Laban also said to Jacob, 
Behold this this heap, and behold the pillar which I have set between you and me. This heap is a witness, and the pillar is a witness, and I will not pass by this heap to you for harm, and you will not pass by this heap and this pillar to me for harm. Now, the way it's set up and the way they said it, it has a double idea. Some say that it means that you can't ever pass on this side again. But notice he says you can't pass for what? For harm. He could be saying, if you come across this, you better not be coming to harm me in any way, shape, or form. And if I come across this, I'm not coming to harm you in any way, shape, or form. It's pretty powerful. Then notice verse 53. The God of Abraham and the God of Nahor, the God of their fathers, judge between us. So Jacob swore by the fear of his father Isaac. The fear of Isaac is is, is God. You know, the, the, he feared the uh, awe of the living God. So that's all he's saying is. So the God of Abraham, the God of Nahor, the God of their fathers be the judge. And so they're swearing based on the God of Abraham. The God of Abraham. Look what they did. Jacob offered a sacrifice on the mountain, called the kinsman, his kinsman to a meal, and they ate the meal and spent the night on the mountain. So they came together. Now, you notice something that's a little bit strange here. Does it say that Jacob and Leah, uh, Jacob and uh, Laban had a meal together? Do you find anywhere in here they had a meal together? If you notice back earlier, it, it says that you know, that, that uh, he set up the pillar and they had a meal, that he had a meal with his people and he told his people to get this and they had a meal on this. And then it says, Jacob offered a sacrifice on the mountain and called his kinsmen to the meal. You notice a little bit strange. They don't eat together. And that was usually the sign that we were friends again, that we eat together, that we have a meal. They don't have a meal. They're not friends. They're never going to be friends. Why are they never going to be friends? They don't trust each other. You can't build a friendship with somebody that you don't trust. It just won't work. So finally, look at verse 55. Early in the morning, Laban arose and kissed his sons and his daughters and blessed them. Then Laban departed and returned to his place. It's over. It looks like it's over. We see the protection of God as he kept Laban from harming Jacob. The covenant, the agreement, they're going to leave each other alone. And Jacob makes the vows that he'll take care of his wives. And we see the worship and thanksgiving by Jacob. You don't see it by Laban. That's a little bit strange. What have we seen tonight? Well, we've seen Jacob left and Laban pursued him. And they see the accusations and the searching that they didn't find. And Jacob accuses Laban and Laban accuses Jacob and all of these things. They make a covenant. And the covenant is basically that you stay on your side and I'll stay on my side. So let's think of some applications. First one is this. Let's remember that God is the one who provides and protects. Jacob has been protected from the very beginning. From Abraham to Isaac to Jacob, it is the same promise. It has been reiterated by God three different times over and over again to Abraham, to Isaac, and now to Jacob. And he promised Jacob that he would protect him and take care of him. If you remember when he left, what happened? He went to a little place, and he lay down to go to sleep, and what happened? Anybody remember? He had a what? He had a dream. And what did he see in that dream? He saw like a slide and angels going up and down. And at the top of the slide was who? You remember? The Lord. God was there. And God said, I will take care of you. I will protect you. I will take you over there and I will bring you back. God always makes the promises. And we said even then when we studied that, that it wasn't because Jacob deserved it. He didn't deserve anything just like we don't deserve anything. 
But God is the protector. And we have to realize that in our lives. He is our protection. We live in a fallen world. But we don't have to be afraid. In fact, you remember Hebrews 13, I'll never leave you or forsake you. What should you fear? God is with us. Matthew 28, he says, I'll be with you low until the end of the what? End of the age. He's going to always be with you. How are you and I doing when we face the world? When we leave this place, because it's always, I love when everybody comes, you know. Most of the time, there's not many people here during the day. I mean, people come and go all the time, but there's not a group of people here all the time. I love it when Sunday morning, Sunday night, everybody comes and we laugh and we talk and all of that good stuff. But the truth is, when you gather, it is a, a fun time and a fellowship time and a study time. and a group. But then we scatter. We go back into this world, and most of us go by ourselves. And we go into a fallen world that is contrary to us. We rest in the power and the protection of our great God. Romans 8, 28, he works all things. All things work together for good. So as we live, just remember that God is the one who provides and protects and takes care of us. Second, we want to be men and women of character, of trustworthy character. Because when you look at this, so far we've looked at Jacob and Laban, and they're not men of character. They're deceitful. They refuse. Laban is deceitful and refuses to admit wrong. Jacob is, Jacob is deceitful. Uh, one of the things we need to remember, if you say it, do it. We, they, have to make, they have to make these these pillars and these heap of witness in order to keep their word. Jesus said, let your what? Yes be yes and your no be no. We need to be men and women of principles and values and live our lives based on the truths of Scripture. Listen to this, George Mueller. If you remember him, he was the guy that had the orphanage. Uh, says this, we must keep our word even in the ordinary affairs of life. If we say it, do it. That's why be careful what you say. Because if you say, I'll do that, well, okay, you just said you'd do it. Well, but I didn't know this was going to happen. Be careful when you make promises. Oz Guinness writes, Christians are called to be in the world but not of the world. Christians have, have to live out this tension in many ways. And some are neither of the world nor in the world. They're just isolated. And others are both in the world and of the world. And therefore, they're compromised and contaminated. Are we in this world but not of it? And that's what we're supposed to be. We live in this fallen world, but we're not of this world. The world needs believers who will do the following things. Whose word is their bond, that when you say it, you do it. That we're honest in the small things as in the big things. I mean, when you know, if they give you the wrong change, say you gave me the wrong change. The other day I was at uh, IHOP and uh, I ate breakfast, and I was by myself. I'm not I'm not by myself. I was by myself, and I looked down, and she didn't put the coffee on the bill. I love coffee, and so I said, I said to her, I said, I got ready to get up. I said, you didn't put the coffee on the bill, and she said, I know, I left it off on purpose. I said, okay, I just wanted you to know it's not on here, because I wasn't going to go pay and go. <laughs> she didn't charge me for the coffee. She forgot the coffee. No. I'm going to pay for the coffee if she, you know, unless she says I took it off because you know I didn't want you to pay for it. I mean, you just did that. Little things, big things. We'll do what we say. We will not do something just because everybody else is doing it. It's really easy. When everybody's doing something, you say, "Well, everybody's doing it." doesn't matter if it's right or wrong. If it's wrong, don't do it. We're not ashamed to stand for the truth even when it's unpopular. Who knows Brent Hume? You know who he is? What did he talk about the other day? He said that uh, Tiger Woods need to, needs to become a Christian. That's what he bottom line said. 
He said, Tiger Woods is going through a hard time. What he needs to do is become a Christian, and that will help him get through this, and he'll understand forgiveness and redemption. That's what he said. He is being attacked by everybody. Isn't that amazing? He said, I have the right to say that if I want to say that. If I want to say I think it's a good idea for a person to become a Christian, that's great. He's right. But that's unpopular to say that if you're in the news media. We need believers who will say no, even though the rest of the world says yes. That's what we need. We want to be men and women of character. The third thing is just, I just put this in there, keep your lines of communication open, because that's what happened between Jacob and, and Laban. They never communicated. And we've seen it all the way through. Abraham and Isaac, and 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 Isaac and Rebekah, and, and nobody, none of these people communicate. That's why they have so many problems. And so we want to communicate and think about all the areas of our lives, of communication, our marriage, and our family units, our church, and our relationships. We just want to keep the lines of communication open and talk with each other. We don't want to wait 20 years and then just burst open with all the stuff that we're angry about, as you saw Jacob do. We want to communicate with each other. May we be people of character as we live, knowing that our God is our provider and protector. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what a great night. Thank you, Lord, for your pa- the passage and the truths that are there. And help us, Lord, as we continue to look at the life of Jacob and, and Laban and, and Esau and all of that. And, and, Lord, we just see that you're working all these things. Thank you, Lord, that, you, that your promises are true and your promises are not based on whether we deserve them or not. But you promise us eternal life. You promise us power and protection. You promise us uh, all sorts of things. And thank you, Lord, that you never go back on your word and that we can trust in you and rest in you and that you'll never leave us or forsake us. What should we fear? So thank you, Lord, for all of those things. Thank you that we can trust in you. Lord, we we pray that uh, we'll be men and women of character, that as we go out these doors, we will stand for what is right. We'll live by the word of God. We'll make an impact for you. Whether the little things or the big things, we will live for you. And thank you, Lord, that we have the opportunity to maintain communication with each other. May we do that. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. I know time has passed a little bit, but anybody got any questions or comments or anything they want to bring up? Yeah, Hazel. No, I think what Jacob meant was that if you find something that is your property among mine, you can have it. It's yours. Yeah, but Jacob knew that wasn't right because even though they were his daughters, they weren't his wives. They were Jacob's wives, and he had worked for them for 14 years. And his children, his grandchildren were Jacob's children. They were his children, and the flocks were Jacob's because he had worked for those too. So he could say, no, no, these are spotted. Remember, spotted are mine. White are yours. So, yeah. Well, the truth is this, that if, if, if Laban would have said, those are my sheep, Jacob said, no, they're not. They're not yours, so you can't have them. But, but they weren't his sheep anyway. They still weren't his sheep. It didn't matter. Jacob had his own sheep. Yeah. When Laban was saying, this is my flocks, my stuff, and I said, he's just saying, all this is really mine. The truth is, it's not. Anything else? 
All right, next time we see one of the most powerful passages because we're going to see Jacob coming back and Esau is coming to meet him with 400 men. And Jacob does not know whether Esau is coming back to kill him or what. And so Jacob is going to come up with his deceitful plan again to try to figure out how to get through this. But before he can, he has to wrestle with God and he becomes a different man. And we'll see. Yes. Oh, yeah, he's rich. Doesn't we know it talked about Abraham, how many he had. So far, I haven't seen anything that said how many Jacob had. Well, he's, he's, I don't think he considers what he's got soldiers, army men, I mean, people that would fight. Okay. All right. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for coming.